1: This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Trade deadline day has come and gone, and the Boston Celtics have traded away seven players in Brad Stevens' first trade deadline as president of basketball operations. So we are here at the Winning Plays Pod. I don't even know if this is an emergency podcast, but Brian Bernardoni is here to react to all this. My name is Brian Robb. We had... Three deals today, Ryan, and I mean we have to start with the most important one, right? You have to start with Bull Bull and PJ Dozier being sent away with uh, a protected second round pick. What what your initial reactions there? Well, it's at least chronological order. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean that's good
0: business. No, but... stop, stop. We're
1: not we're not racking this. We need to start. I know. Why not? We need to start with the real stuff here and there. I, I'll say this, like. Brad Stevens, you heard rumors this week that they were gonna, you know, actually try to improve in the present and make some significant change to this team, and to be able to do that and get under the tax, um, they checked both boxes here. But Brad Brad Stevens in the front office taking some pretty big swings here, playing some pretty high prices um, in some situations and. And we're looking at a roster that is looks like it could be set for a decent stretch of time here, at least from a contract perspective. So, I mean, what, let's just start. Like, what what sticks to you out to you most about the day, um, in terms
0: of the wheeling and dealing here, Ryan? I think they're a better team. Um, I I don't know they, how much they better, better be. They, are. they better be. If they're good they wins. better be. I know. <laughs> uh, and there are certainly, uh, like, I get the sort of I think general excitement of the fan base. For, for these moves, which I think is a mix of different reasons why people are excited, but um, I I can understand that, and uh, there are things like sort of the advanced analytical models that are very high on the team at this point, and on on uh, adding Derek White in particular, but we're we're high on the team before, um, and are quite high on them them now. So it could be that the team turns out to be better than I I think, and there's not a huge gap between like what I think and being like an important team in the league right now, this is a team that could like they could with particularly with a good draw in the playoffs, like make another conference finals or or go farther than that. And I, I said that this is not like a 0% chance of even winning a title team. I don't think they're going to win a title. I think their chances of winning a title are less than like Nate Silver at 538 or, or the Darko, uh, model thinks that the team has where it puts them in sort of like, you know, meaningful odds sort of territory here. Um, But if like the team could literally go and win the title this year and it wouldn't be the craziest thing I've ever seen in sports by any means, even though, even if it's unlikely. So the point of being like the gap between what I think they really are and and being a team that, you know, is playing a game seven to go to the conference final isn't that significantly different. So, um. We could look back at, at my concerns about what happened today and like sort of be like, well, that all doesn't matter. They hung a banner like great. You know, they, they've achieved their goal right away. Um, but what stands out to me more than anything is that this right now, the Celtics feel like a team with a coach as the general manager. Um, they felt that way a little bit coming out of the uh, the offseason. And I think we actually had a, a similar conversation, but more today feel that way. Like these are the sort of moves that you that you you see sometimes when you have a, like somebody who's in a dual role, but in this case, obviously Brad Stevens is not the head coach right now, but recently was, and he does feel to me like he's operating like somebody who thinks about things from the perspective of a coach in that, like you said, they're going after sort of veteran players with long contracts. to so give you stability and fit in, in a certain way, he's going after players who he's coached before. He doesn't seem to care that much about draft picks. Um, and those things or or beyond just draft picks about like sort of getting all of the little things you can get and about maximizing every single trade. And we can talk through what those things are as we go here. But that's what stands out to me is that it doesn't feel like they're looking to get every edge right now. It, it just isn't quite all there, which is pretty jarring compared to sort of what Danny Ainge was doing at the point when Danny Ainge was one of the better GMs in the league um, instead of maybe at the end where some things went off the rails a little bit, but, yeah, that's where it, where my head is right now that like, I don't think today was a bad day uh, and the team is, is good and might be better than I think. But I'm a little bit worried in sort of the big picture of like if they continue to operate in the way that they did today, if things will uh, work out in the long term as well as we hope that they do. All right. So let's,
1: you know, expand on that. Let's like go deal by deal here and we'll start with the most important deal of the day and you already brought up Derek White. Um, coming to the Celtics in exchange for Josh Richardson, who was in the midst of a, you know, close to a career year, at least in a, in a secondary role, certainly returning to his uh, Miami days in terms of uh, producing um, shooting wise uh, defensively and sees give him up. C's give up Romeo Lankford, which was, pretty much like a net neutral slash negative asset at this point with his $5 million owed next year and a top four protected 2022 first round pick and a right to pick swap way down the line in 2028, which is um, a top one protected pick from, from what I'm hearing. So based off of that, let's just talk about Derek white here as a player. Like he is a very solid combo card who I, who honestly is in the midst of a down year this year, only, you know, shooting 31% from three to 34% career three point shooter, but he can play point. He's got enough size at six foot four to, you know, hold his own defensively and at least some matchups and guard up guard down if need to pretty much work well in this switching system, not be a liability on that end. And so, I mean, the fit here, this looks like a guy that will be coming off the bench and should be in the closing lineup on a nightly basis here. And obviously you have to hope that he's a better shooter than he's showing this year, but is, is there untapped upside you feel like here, or is this what he is? And he's just a really solid pro that maybe worth uh a solid first round pick and a, and a good player in Josh Richardson.
0: I think he's better than just not a negative on, on defense. Uh, I think he's a very, very good defensive guard. Uh, on a team that has some other very good, very good defensive guards and probably a good uh, fit for this switching system because he's a good guard at defending the rim. He, he's a shot-blocking guard. He's a charge-drawing guard. Um, he's a good transition defender, which you sometimes end up in sort of like weird... Takes a lot of charges. The time. Yeah, like... So he's a very good defender um, on a team that is obviously excelling on, on the defensive end and, and really most of their upside as a team right now is... Uh, Is sort of just like really, really good defense. And if Tatum and Brown get hot and more than enough offense to like blow teams out, like they have been now. So I think he's a very good fit on that end. Uh, But the trade-off is of course, that Josh Richardson was not a bad defender by any means. Like he's a six, six long-armed rangy wing um, who could do a lot of the things that you expect Derek White will do. And I think Derek White's better, but I don't know if he's, like a huge amount better Uh he's certainly not a, like an all-star guard I don't think he's, he's I will say seven. With like <laughs>
1: Richardson's on defense though do you feel like and I'm not just saying it's he left like I feel like he got lost a little bit more than I expected at times defensively and not, not to a big degree like he's a good defender but like just I don't know whether that could be an upgrade here like in terms of off-ball defense and things like that Richardson I feel like Cause main strength was on the ball, but then sometimes he'd kind of get lost in the clouds and maybe, you know, what will be better
0: in the team scheme on that standpoint. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Like, I'm not saying that, that Richardson was as good of a defender as Derek white has been. And I assume will be coming into the system that the Celtics are running. I'm just saying like, He's Josh Richardson is better, is a better defender than Dennis Schroeder, right? And some of the minutes that that Derek wants to play are going to come from minutes that would have been Dennis Schroeder minutes. So, like, there's a right? There's sort of levels here of how good and how bad these players are. And nobody was targeting Josh Richardson, I don't think. Um, and he does get, yeah, I mean, he can make the mistakes that anybody can make. Team players also get sort of confused when you're playing a relatively complicated switching system. and – Um everybody can look good and bad at at different times. Richardson would also get sort of beat and recover quite a lot. Um, but a lot of times when you watch players who are sort of getting like recovery blocks, it's those are the ones you remember. But there's also plenty of times when they got beat and weren't able to recover. (laughs) Um so yeah, I mean, I I think that, like I said, I think Derek White is a very good defender. Um not quite at the level of Marcus Smart, but like one level below that, you know, a guy who could be an all defense guard. Um if he has, you know, has a good season in the Sort of gets the narrative stuff um so that's good i mean obviously Uh, on offense the fit is less clear to me um good player there will certainly be times where he's playing with bench units where his skills will be very helpful Uh, i think he and josh richardson are sort of similar level shooters there's been a lot of oh you know derek white's having a down year josh richardson's having a good year a lot of times those things stabilize out anyway and like they're of a similar level Neither of them are running around and, you know, they're not Ray Allen, but they're also not, you know, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist. Um, so I just, he's more of an on-ball guy, but again, like they're, they gave away two guys who were on ball. So they're where, you know, they sort of slot into the same. And the point of all of this is that like, I believe he's absolutely a better player than Josh Richardson. So the team is better from that perspective. I don't, we'll see how the Schroeder out you know peyton pritchard taking some of those minutes trade-off works i think that that should be fine but we don't really know um but like is that trade-off um worth what they gave up and i don't think it is uh and you're really talking about like are the extra years that you get locked in now at basically fair market value money are those worth it probably not because those are like kind of neutral year you know neutral value years uh for a team that very clearly does have a budget uh, even if we don't like it that you know this is not a team that can spend infinitely in, in any given year so you put all that together and it's just like what it comes down to a lot for me is that that pick swap it's like that is not a thing that they should be giving up in this trade um and to be giving it up is pretty bad um it's and that's where I get into like it seems like it's a coach running running the team where it's like that's the kind of thing that you sort of throw in it's like oh we'll give up this sweetener or a future pick swap but it's like no 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 that's a problem that they included that for an upgrade that I think is real, but not like enormous. Um, so that's where I am with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is, they're paying full market price and maybe a little bit above that with that pickup, I'd agree because you, you get a guy in Richardson who isn't as good of a player, but that's a, he's under contract at a cheaper deal through next year. Like that's, um, should be appealing for San Antonio. And then you're giving away what should be a first round pick in the late teens or early twenties. Like that's, that's pretty good value. There wasn't many first round picks that were traded this year as a trade deadline that were going to be better than that. Um, And so to give away the pick swap on top of that, um, pretty far down the line. um, So you don't have to think about it for a while, but obviously, you know, who knows what things are going to look like six years from now. It's, that is a, it's a pretty big roll of the dice and is, you know, clearly the Celtics blinked on that being like, okay, if this is white's our guy. We don't think we're going to be able to do better than this type of guy. If we think this is the, the right fit for our system. So, I mean, they better be right about it from, from the, from that standpoint in terms of, like you said, he's under contract long-term here. Like you got to hope this fit, you know, works, doesn't have to work early this year. It's, you know, they're going to have some time to build it, but um, you know, the present is you know you're gonna have a lot of teams kind of bunched together in the eastern conference this year a lot of moving parts changing so like you said they're you know they in a tight eastern conference like it it's something where if everyone's healthy you're gonna have to hope it 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 works pretty quickly to you know at least maximize your chances during this this window
0: yeah and, and if you look at it in the sort of bigger picture right you have Three drafts ago, their top pick, they just traded away. They weren't really able to develop him. Re- that sometimes just happens, right? And there were injuries involved, and like, but they've traded away that player. Player from two drafts ago, their top pick, they are doing basically nothing to develop. Maybe these moves open up some amount of more time for Nismith. I'm not really sure, but like, you know, the from no I assume players. that's part of the, I mean, they have 10 players on the roster right now, and
1: two of them are Pritchard and Nismith. So I would hope that yeah. means like pretty much forcing Eme's hand and say, You know, playing one of these, but who knows? I mean, you can still go eight, eight, right? (laughs) Like you can just
0: keep playing an eight-man rotation and and not. But so that, but that pick has not been, in like they have not been investing time into that that player. Uh, He doesn't even play in Maine, right? Like it's a weird situation. They traded the their their top pick from the last draft in order to get out of Kemba's contract and get get Horford and like when that trade happened, I and mean, we've talked about this before, like, right, when that trade happened, I thought, like, okay, you know, it's not where you want to be, but it's understandable, and it still is, but that, you know, Shengun is the player who went there and looks like he has quite a bit of promise for the future. You've now traded your pick for the next draft. You've traded a swap, which significantly diminishes the value of a trade six years out from now. Um, so it's just, like, that's a lot of draft capital, either that hasn't been developed, that hasn't worked out, that you've traded away um, for moves that are not Bradley Beal or James Harden or whoever, right? Like, and and that's just not like the ideal for what you want to be doing. And it's a little bit odd to me that, that Stevens seems to be operating in that way where he doesn't seem to care about these draft picks. Because like, in large part, what he made his name on as a coach was a team built from drafting, you know, from draft picks, right? Like all the free agent signings and all the trades that were made while he was there uh, in the last couple of years anyway, like didn't work. Um, so the Isaiah Thomas trade is obviously a big one that goes towards like where he, be- what he became as a coach, but like drafting Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart and Robert Williams and Terry Rozier. And like, that's the bones of the team that got them deep enough into the playoffs where he was viewed as like a, a, a really good coach who could go and run a team like this. So it is a little bit weird to have that coach who also came from college to be basically throwing away draft picks. Um, like they're not that big of a deal. And we'll talk about the Tice trade where they didn't then get any of those kind of assets back where it seems like they should have. Um, and there's been sort of a second round pick sort of disappear here and there and trying to get under the salary, trying to get under the luxury tax or move these players out. Or, you know, um, and you just put all that together. And it's like, there's a lot of little things out there. And you hope that five years from now, There's not a podcast where, you know, Zach Lowe is on it talking about how did the Celtics get here and it's like well they got all the little moves wrong and he's running through all the things about they took on this bad contract and didn't get anything for it and they traded away this pick and this pick swap that they didn't think you know they sort of threw it away and this and that. Um, Which you get when it's like, when they talk about what happened with Doc Rivers in LA. (laughs) Um, or uh tibbs in in minnesota like you remember those things where you walked through all those little mistakes they made and it's like that's why you don't have a coach be your gm and i just have that sinking feeling right now um, that i hope is wrong and i hope it never matters i hope that pick swap never is a thing and that the 20th pick this year doesn't matter because they make the conference finals this year or next year or whatever but i worry (laughs) So I don't know if I'm just a natural worrier and you're like, this is stupid. Why do you care? Like everybody else seems to be saying, but I worry at least. No, I'm, and that's, it's all fair.
1: Like this is a move that, I mean, the, the, the white move is a move that doesn't bring you like maybe a, maybe a very small step closer to contending, but it doesn't seem like you said, it's not the, the big move to, to get in that direction. If you're starting to, um, you know, push your chips into the middle in for the next few years here around Brown and around Tatum, And I see there is urgency there. You want to maximize those guys when they're under contract, they're not under contract forever. And they, they both want to compete. Um, but at the same time, if, you know, maybe like you said, like, what does this mean? You know, what if white doesn't pan out? And then if you don't have enough left over for a Bradley bill offer, or what's, you know, what's, how do you pivot off of this? If it isn't the right combination, you still don't have enough shooting, with Smart and, and White and, you know, Neesmith doesn't find a shot, et cetera. Like it doesn't, this should, you know, in theory, solve some problems, but it also could just have, you know, another okay contract in the books in another year or two. And then you're wondering, okay, where, you know, where does this team really go from here? But for now it's certainly a move that should make them better in the present. Uh, I don't know if you knew this week, Super Bowl Sunday, it's finally your Super Sunday and so, Bet Online has you covered on that front. From odds, scores, totals, play performance props, to where the next fire coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL in 2023. You can bet on that at Bet Online. You can bet basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC odds. Coverage is best in business. Round down your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. So, head on to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, use the promo code CLNS50 to get you started. The fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and your player favorite games. But online where the game starts. The other moves today should conceivably do that. It certainly makes them better in the front court. Daniel Tice um, arriving back almost uh, you know at the buzzer for the second straight trade deadline. Um, the C's gave them away last year with cash. This year... They give away their mid-level exception signing and Dennis Schroeder along with a couple of bigs that they're not interested in, Enes Freedom and Bruno Fernando and take back Tice on what I would thought was pretty much a negative value contract. Um, and the Celtics just took it because they obviously like Tice a lot. And even if he's a bit overpaid right now, they like to lock in the guy in the system that they know and think can be good in it again, I guess.
0: I think it's pretty clearly a negative value contract. I think across the league, it's viewed as a negative value contract. Uh, I don't know why they don't aren't getting a second round pick other than Adam Himmelsbach reported that, that basically it came together at the last minute, which is sort of the smart thing you would do where it's like, well, why don't we give the Celtics a call and see if they'll take Daniel Tice back? Yes. Uh, and there's not enough time to haggle. So it's like, take him or leave him. Uh, and again, like this is a trade that uh, particularly on Twitter, I think is very, very popular because Tice was a, was sort of a little bit of a fan favorite and the war on tice all that and also Schroeder has become i think more maligned than it's probably fair uh, i think he was misused i think that we have had conversations where we talked about how you know Ime Udoka was just putting him in positions where it wasn't going to work and was sticking to them a little bit too long um, but that there also have been times where he was a helpful and, and useful player uh, on the team, and obviously on a short contract that doesn't carry any future anything. Um, but he has turned into something of a, of a sort of villain for the team for this season because he's been on the floor during some of these collapses that, that happened earlier in the year. And then N S is, you know, there's a whole everything. We don't need mean It's yeah. just like, so Ennis, it if you're matter. a defense switching system,
1: like you don't need N S Freeman. Yeah. Like that's just and, not and needed Bruno, a better they,
0: thing. And they had to move those guys out in order to, the all important luxury tax in order to be able to refill nice. the roster with cheap enough players to stay under luxury tax with them. So they had to include them basically, which is why they're down so few players right now. Uh, but they should have gotten something back for taking Daniel Tice's contract. They should have gotten a second round pick or something along those lines. And they didn't. And why is that? Is that just because again, Brad Stevens likes Daniel Tyson coached him and thinks that he's a good player to come back. And you said that it'll help on the front court. I'm not entirely sure that it will. Part of what the, like, and you wrote about this, I believe, like part of what has led to the team being better right now is that they're basically playing two bigs plus Grant Williams. And they start two of them, but then they stagger them from there. And they have one of, you know, Robert Williams or Al Horford on the floor. And I don't really know where Daniel Tice fits into that. Uh, we saw that he really shouldn't be playing power forward. I mean, we saw it last year. He shouldn't be playing power forward. They tried to play him at power forward in Houston, and he's been out of the rotation because he can't play there. so you really can't play him you absolutely can't play him with robert williams can you play him with al horford like al's been playing power forward on offense with with rob williams but he's been playing center on defense and they've been having you know rob in this sort of like Roma role off of non-shooting guards and things like that recently that's been very very successful and if you are playing in there then you're taking minutes away from grant williams who is one of the players who can make corner three-pointers on the shot and you just you know, shifted around your, your roster with uh, Derek White, who's not a great shooter. Like, I don't really know where he fits here. Um, Was well, this he more didn't... a
1: long-term trade? Do you feel like then for like when yeah, like, when like, Al he, goes yeah. next year, but like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not a good value signing for the like long-term they either.
0: Shouldn't, they shouldn't be cutting Al Horford. We've talked about this before too. Like yeah. if the amount of money that he's owed that you save by waving him, you should not wave him and stretch him because it's not like going to create cap space for you. You, so you're either waving him and just eating that money in one year or like just the situation around Horford. You have to either keep him and play him or trade him. They didn't trade him, so they should be keeping him and playing him. I don't know where Tice fits in in that situation. But even if Horford goes, you don't need to be paying this amount of money to a backup center, yeah. especially with Rob, who should be playing like 30 minutes, 30 plus minutes a night when he's, you know, when he's on the floor. And backup center, we know, is the position that you can just sort of fill like Robin Lopez might get waived and is probably a better fit as a third center for what the team really needs than what Daniel Tice is. And so to take that amount of money, which by the way, is going to put them over the luxury tax for next year. So at the trade deadline next year, at least they're projecting to be, we're probably going to be having conversations about the moves they have to make to get under the luxury tax so they can avoid the, you know, the nasty repeater tax 17 years down the line when, (laughs) you know, when deuces, uh, max is super max is coming up. Like, I don't, I just don't understand. I understand liking Daniel Tice. I understand thinking that he's a useful player on a team. I don't understand making this move and I don't understand making it. If you're getting nothing in return, um, they could have just waived Ennis and kept Bruno as a, you know, break glass in case of whatever, look to the buyout market where there will be more centers than anything else. Um, and like that would have been okay. So I I don't know. I, I think that's the mistake. I would say,
1: I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I'm, I was surprised to see them take this contract without getting back an asset. I think the rationalization for that would be in terms of maintaining their current rotation and seeing like, hey, we're playing out Horford probably too much right now at 35. We all know Rob Williams' injury history. Like, it's nice that we're playing him big minutes this year, but we don't, you know, playing him 36 minutes a night you know is probably not a good idea for his long term you know viability to stay on the floor and so tice at least gives you a uh, a viable you know plan when either of those guys can't go in a game to be like okay we can still play the defense we want to play without one of those guys on the floor and will they play i mean i wonder if you know there's going to play Tice will get 10 minutes at center off the bench. So to keep Al's minutes down when you keep him in the starting five there, and you can play Tice and Grant Williams together now, probably since Grant is shooting so well from three. And again, is that still worth the contract? No, but could it be worse and could it be a pretty solid, you know, defensive plan with all those guys in there? Like it, it
0: could work pretty well in that front. Yeah. I mean, I just don't buy it really. Um, like I'm trying said, to sell it. I'm, I'm doing they, my
1: best.
0: <laughs> like I said, Robin Lopez may get bought out. He makes $5 million for this year. He may get bought out. He may be available for, you know, just nothing, but also they could have, I imagine come up with a way to trade for him as your third center, or, you know, there, when in one of the other trades that happened, people are like, Oh, drew Eubanks Like he's a, he's an interesting young player. I wonder what, I wonder what will happen with Toronto there. And then they're just waving him. And like, so there are players out there that don't have the name recognition but like Daniel Tice didn't have the name recognition when he came in and he's not playing any better than some of these other players who can be had for basically free. And there are always centers like that. Uh, And you know, like Luke Cornette might be coming back from, from Maine. I know he sat out the game today and there's maybe he'll be rejoining the team and, and he's not the type who can maintain, as you said, the defensive system, like, like you maybe can with Tice. But the flip side of that is of course, if you have three guys who are all basically the same, or four guy, you know, like if you keep having all your centers be kind of the same-ish, that's good for maintaining some of your system stuff. But like you don't have any specialists there who you might need if you run into, say, Joel Embiid or something like that, where you might want a Robin Lopez instead. Um, and it's just like it's just too much money for too many years for a player who in an ideal world should not be playing regular minutes for the team, even if I like the story of him coming back. And I like in general the players who they decided to move out, but you know. Like they didn't do the thing of we're going to trade Dennis Schroeder for a second round pick. They didn't get a second round pick for taking Tyson's bad contract. They traded Schroeder for another player who is a longer term, more negative contract at a position that is hard, like that is easier to fill for cheaper. It's just the whole you put together all of it and you're like, I don't really know why they agreed to do it. And again, if it had literally just been like, "Oh, we'll take a Houston second-round pick, even a couple of years down the line," which is probably going to be like 38th or something, fine. I would much more understand it then. Just the fact that they just did it without really getting anything, except Daniel Tice making eight million dollars a year. Uh, it, I just don't see how that's like the right, the right thing to be doing. Tice is a trade kicker too. Fifteen yeah. well, percent. Last year was a team option, right? So he's got yeah, two last more years. Yeah, t- he's got two more years. Last year, team option. Yeah. So okay, that's... I didn't even know he had a trade kicker. There you go. Yeah. Uh, like, but I, wonder he waived, he waived, I wonder if he wave. I wonder if he wave for a team that's been bad, right? <laughs> so, oh yeah, this yeah, he has a trade kicker, so it impacts this. I see which. Yeah, duh. I'm thinking about when they, if they inevitably try to retrade him at some point to get back under luxury tax. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, which, it, it, this trade kicker matters. Doesn't matter the second time. It matters right now. Yeah. um I, I don't know. It's I bet he waved like, it,
1: it to come back. I mean, he wasn't playing. He wasn't yeah, playing I mean, there. He wasn't right? playing like, there. He wasn't playing. Period. Yeah. I mean, he'd be
0: out of the rotation for weeks. And, like um, that's an indictment of the player. That you right, just exactly. Just He's out of the rotation years, for like a, what a fifteen for, win for like team? real money. It, yeah. Um. So even though I'm sitting there with everybody else and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, Peyton Pritchard's going to get an opportunity here, and we don't have to worry about Ennis going to CPAC. Like it's still, it doesn't actually make sense just in a how you run a basketball team move. Um. And this one makes less sense. like I said, the Derek white trade, I worry about the edges of it, but I completely understand the idea of what, like, that he is a player who I, who might be significantly better than I think. And I already think he's a good player and I get how it might fit perfectly on defense and help them on offense in certain, like certain important ways. And like, that could really click and work. And you could look back at that and be like, yeah, they locked in five guys who make up, you know, five parts of five guys of an eight man rotation that could do really, you know, really good things in the playoffs. Like I get that that could absolutely work. And I think the way that they paid the price for it is not the correct way to pay that price, but I get it. This one, it's more of a feel good story that I just don't think will end up feeling all that good. Um, and, and so I think it has to be,
1: it has to be more about next year. Like, like if they're going to trade out this off season, and Which then is no this is Tice as your back. And Tice, is, Tice becomes an important yeah. part of your center rotation at that point. Obviously, for the president, it doesn't make it Another, another one,
0: though. I mean, that's right. Problem. I mean, I agree. I mean, like, you you're, get, you're, get another you center, could, you <laughs> get one for the
1: veterans. But I guess, yeah. you know, if they're going to pay that premium to have Tice locked in in that spot, like, I don't know if that's again, we'll see if it makes sense. He's going to have to rebound to his, you know, two, three years ago glory days with the C's when he was, you know, easily worth this kind of a contract. but, in the last two seasons, he has not been worth this money, and at age 29, with you know a history of injury problems, um, you wonder if he's going to get back to that level. And so that's going to be, you know, a pretty big question for for him under this deal. Um, five open roster spots at the moment, Ryan, which is I think another sneaky part of this deal. Like not, I mean, getting rid of Bruno in freedom, um, just not having to eat that money, just getting it off the books. So you can bring in, you know, cheap, fresh bodies, maybe some younger bodies that, you know, some diamonds in the rough, if you will, um, given that they've had, had a lot of dead weight at the bottom of this roster all year long. Um, what they have to sign two guys by the start of Friday's game per NBA rules, and then they'll eventually have to get up to 14. And in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure they're going to wait a little bit to see how the market shakes out and also just to save some money in the meantime, because you're not going to need all these guys. And you you have Sam Hauser and Broderick Thomas as you can use for two ways in the meantime, but who do you want to see them? You know, what type of players do you want to see them go after in those spots? Like what do you, or do you expect them in Brad Steven's MO here? So, Hey, let's
0: let's get, get a little experience in the door here and, you know, to run out the rest of our bench. I think that they should probably just, elevate hauser to a full contract at this point like it's one of those things where if he was 21 you would sort of be like well if they keep on a two-way for this year they can sort of string out their control like he's 25 right or 24 right he's like <laughs> right. older than Tatum, um and he's right he's he's too good of a shooter for the g league he goes down there in every single game it's like oh he went seven for 12 like it just seemed you know he's shooting like 45 percent in the g league um and they need shooting and he's the right size and Um, so that one I think just makes sense that they should just probably sign him to a full contract Um, and then I would I'm guessing it'll be like Cornette and Valentine will probably start on 10 days um, with an eye towards maybe they become full contract players for the rest of the year um, depending on what other buyout options become available because they have to sign a couple guys before like like you said before the next game Um, and then they have a little bit more time to get all the way up to 14 but you can't um, legally play a game with only 10 guys on your on your roster so uh those are but those are the ones that seem like they're Im- immediately available because they've been playing in portland so yeah you know, cornette denzel valentine and, and hauser would kind of make sense as like how you get to legal roster they need another wing um they've always needed another wing the problem is that good like six seven six eight six nine wings don't hit the market like in buyouts um so they're hard to hard to pick up if gary harris gets bought out then obviously that would be a good pickup. He's refound his shot um, and it would give them some depth. Like we talked about how they've sort of traded out um, a little bit of backcourt depth. You know, when you go from Schroeder and Richardson to uh, white and Tice, you've lost a, a backcourt player there in depth. And maybe that's Neesmith or Pritchard, but Gary Harris is just right. Like he's a good player, proven player. Uh, I could see that they would be certainly in the market. Although he, if he does, do they have, lot, have enough opportunity to than, like, do they have enough they opportunity to a I like that to. though to offer. I don't know. Like, just go back to Denver um, where he ha- has a history and where they could absolutely use him as well. But also he may get more money they can offer because if they're going to stay under the tax, then they really can, can only offer minimums. Right. Uh, and there might be a team that's, that has an exception, you know, or even whatever cap space that right. oddly, the thunder didn't do anything to get anywhere close to the salary floor. And I don't think they're going to be interested in Gary Harris, but they're going to do something to spend some of that money. So they don't have to, so they can you know, paperwork it and not have to give it all out to the players that they have on their roster. But um I assume somebody would give more money there. So and you can say the same about like Drogic and, maybe you know, if he's going to get bought out and everybody just assumed he was going to go to Dallas, but now they made other moves or They just got Spencer Dinwiddie for some reason. So maybe they, I don't know, but same kind of thing. You figure he might get more money. Look for a place that has a little bit more opportunity. Um, there just aren't expected. Like, I don't think in the buyout market, there's going to be any like wing that everybody's dying to go and get. So I'll give the same answer that I've given you know, at different times over the last couple of years, which is like, go and get the best wing that's in the G league. Like whoever the best six foot eight defensive wing in the G league is sign them, give them a year, you know, give them the rest of this year and next year as uh, a team option or do the, the, you know, the, the old hinky special where you lock him in for a whole bunch of years and just try to get him into look next year, because like sometimes those players become Robert Covington. Right. Uh, so, you know, spend a, a spot on that uh what's it gonna hurt you're not gonna play 13 guys anyway so um but i don't know who that player is because i don't pay enough attention right to i mean you. no i <laughs> uh i mean so, somebody does somebody on the Celtics, in yeah. the, the well, that, people in the Celtics organization but i do not know who those players are and that's uh, honestly I what they they, they what need to hit
1: about. those guys here though too like that well, is a big part because yeah. they that's right like they it's been a while since they've you know hit and, and kept some of them. i mean they've had some of those guys in the system but then they break out elsewhere and you know, even someone like a Javante Green, who would be useful, they you know they yeah. had to give him away last year, too, at the trade deadline in a in a move that you know they essentially are trying to undo by getting Ty's back um, this year. So it's it's a situation where, at least with guys like that, I mean, anytime you're going to offer a contract to a guy in the G League, like they're going to usually hop at it. But you can e- even go to a guy if if there's a couple of teams fighting over someone, you can say, hey, you actually you have an opportunity here. Like if you can beat out Aaron Neesmith, like you will play, you'll, you'll, you'll get minutes here or there. Like we, we have nobody. So, you know, from, from that standpoint, that the least have a few, be able to take a few shots at getting a guy like that in hopes of, you know, one hitting and potentially for more than a year.
0: Yeah. I think, well, so I have a couple things there. One, the first one, Isaiah Thomas, you have any interest in Isaiah Thomas coming back? Um, I know everybody was like, Oh, open spots, Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas. And I'm, I'm there. I'm all for the, motion of it and i hope for good things for him do you have any thoughts on that one
1: i mean on a 10 day sure
0: yeah like I, for now it's it yeah, yeah do a
1: 10 day see what it looks like um i'm sure brad still feels bad <laughs> like sure. he can, yeah i can he can do it. but i don't know again i mean if it hasn't it wasn't
0: my fault it was danny's <laughs> right
1: exactly so um yeah if, if it i'd say if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen soon and just for the the good vibes and then but the problem is like what what happens when those fail you know fade yeah. like obviously he's not you know if for a defense for his team that doesn't really fall in line yeah. in terms
0: of what they're looking for and then the other thing that that sort of struck me during the day is for all that it was that they have landed at a place under the luxury tax um and that their first move that we that we breezed over got them under the luxury tax with really no cost in the end, having to get on the luxury tax does still cost them other opportunities. Um, and one of the ones that stuck out to me was like, Tory Craig went moved for Jalen Smith. Like he moved for a guy who's already had his options at client, he moved for functionally nothing. Yeah. Um, and that's the type of move where like, if they didn't care about the luxury tax or if they were already far enough under the luxury tax because of other moves in the past that have led to them to being right around the tax. then that's the kind of move where it would have been really, really nice to be able to just swoop in and be like, we're going to give a little bit more than that. Or if they hadn't already had to give up, like we've talked about, had other players who haven't really developed in a great way. Although uh, the player who moved him, again, is a player who has not developed to the point where he was, had his option declined. Uh, but because they're at this situation, we're like, okay, what we have left is we have to give out the exact right number of minimum salary contracts. And Jalen can't make the All-Star game as a second injury replacement and I'll, this one, I don't think they'll care as much about. But like, Also, if we make the conference finals, then Jalen has another contracting uh, incentive that would probably put us over the luxury tax, which at that point they would say we made the conference finals, it was worth it. Um, but you have this sort of management of all of these things around tax where if they were just like, we don't really care. And I know that there's a $10 million payout coming to all the teams that are under because the Clippers and the Warriors are so far over. And I know three years down the line, you know, what our four years down the line? They would over oh, the, the dreaded repeater tax, all that kind of thing. But it's just like, if they were just like, we don't really care, we're just going to pay it because we're billionaires <laughs> and the team is worth $3 billion. There would have been other things that would have been nice to be able to go and do here that they, and they don't stand out like last year of having to get rid of Tyson Javante because you, it's not things that you're losing, it's just opportunity costs that you're missing, where it's like those players would be helpful. And if you do believe that you should be, Trading future draft picks to add to the team, you know, and again, Derek White's not just a this year guy. He has a lot of years left on his deal, but that we were adding to the team in in the current, there are other opportunities that would have made a lot of sense for this roster that they just couldn't really get involved in, I would imagine, first and foremost, because of the financial implications of it, because there are some players who moved for not a whole lot today that would actually be like the ninth man on the Celtics or, or the eighth man, maybe, depending on what you think about Tyson rotation. So those things still do hurt, even though they don't, you know, stand out as uh, things that you know were lost because you didn't have to trade them away, but they, they always, I don't know, those go across the wire and you're like, what it like to be involved in that somehow.
1: Right. I mean, and then I think the biggest thing from that is, you know, with, if, if they're saving that money this year with the tag, you know, it's probably gonna be a 15, $20 million swing. Like, that's money that you would expect ownership to put into like next no. year's team instead. Now that, now that they're no. strictly like, if you get white here, you're giving yeah. up your first round pick, you're, you're, you're in win now. Like, you're not going to go, you're not going to go that far over the tax, but like, yeah, now you're like, they're definitely going to be a tax industry. Like, they have to no, they're not. make that. I would like, then what, if, I don't no, know if they what, what are we doing will... here if they're not?
0: What are we do? I 100% agree with you, but. Until they prove otherwise, I do not believe that. Now, again, if they go and make the conference finals this year, then maybe that changes. Um, if you get to the trade deadline and they're the one seed or the two seed and Tatum looks like he's going to win the MVP and all that, like situation's change. If they are the sixth seed or the fifth seed this year and they get out in you know, a tough round one or maybe maybe even make it to round two and next year they're sort of in the same morass of the middle of the East playoffs, they'll find a way to get under the tax again. Of course they will. And everybody will tell the exact same thing. Oh, we have to avoid the repeater tax because look, four years from now, Jason's going to be on a supermax, and Oh, look, the warriors and the Clippers are spending all this money. Oh, it's $15 million difference. Like you got to do it. And it's like, you don't, you don't have to do it. (laughs) It's a choice that you're making to the detriment of the team building. Um, And I believe that they will do the same thing next year because that's their track record.
1: I think you got it. I think I'm, guessing my guess is you go in the other direction there. Cause if you don't, then I think you, you stand in danger of Tatum and Brown being like, well, what's going on here.
0: Yeah. And yeah, then that when you have spend money like that, I just don't think it's like, I hope they prove me wrong. And I have been told from people in the organization that they do not have a, a mandate to get under the tax and that they have a reasonable budget. And we know, you know, I think there's like a good idea of what that budget would be. It's not the budget of the warriors or the Clippers. I understand that. Um, So I hope that I'm inferring incorrectly from their history. But like, I think I said the exact same thing last year. The tax history is known. I can look at the chart and I can tell you that they don't ever pay the tax. Uh, Even sometimes when they're good or when they were very good and they didn't pay much tax. And I, like, prove me wrong, by all means. They don't listen to this podcast, but if word gets (laughs) to you, prove me wrong, please, next year. The
1: show me season for, for Ryan, yeah, for but tax, this year which isn't year. fair. We, we, this year was too. all of these and, seasons
0: are show me. Seasons right. and they haven't sh- what they've shown me is that they won't pay luxury tax, so right, that's well, what I assume is the case.
1: Guess what, Ryan? You got it. We gotta, there's a six game winning streak going on, somehow. It's a um, very good team, it's a very good team, and it, is, I mean, it is. It's and and on paper, I I wrote about this earlier this week of like, can they thread the needle of improving the team for now and. Well, also understandably, and you know, without a mandate, but you know, unsurprisingly, getting under the tax. We'll see if they did it. They certainly tried to. whether or not it it works like that remains to be seen whether or not it's the right move for the long term on that front with these moves also remains to be seen. Big questions, to answer there. but it is um, things got a lot more interesting.
0: Well, let's yeah, we can spend a minute on that. Let's end there with with positives. Like this is a good team, like I said. It's a good team. It's a non zero title winning team, non zero odds title winning team. They have a sensational defense. The, I think the coach who we've, I've been critical of, um, these moves will help him, but I don't know that he's needed as much help. Like there were people who were early in the year when I was saying, like, he's been a really bad coach, were like, fire and fire and fire. I was like, no, you don't.
1: I'm yeah. not saying
0: you should fire the coach. This is his first year. Like he's going to have growing pains. The fact that he's been a bad coach doesn't mean he will always be a bad coach. And I think he has, made adjustments during, you know, that maybe took a little bit longer than I would have liked. But like, sometimes that happens. It's I'm not a genius either. I could have been wrong. I was wrong about the double big lineup. I think the things he's been doing with how to deploy that lineup have been very intelligent and things that I wouldn't have necessarily expected. Um, And like that defense is really incredible and they are killing teams right now. And Derek white should make the team better. And they have the foundation of a team that is how they obviously want to play with this coach and with this front office that is now locked up for at least three years if you, you know this year and two more years you hope that Jalen is signing an extension somewhere down there anyway and he's the only one who comes up then you know Grant Williams also if, if you can consider him part of that core he'll be a restricted free agent along the way but like you know Jason is locked up for quite a while uh, Rob and Marcus both signed long extensions Derek White has years left on his uh, on his contract like the core of a sensationally good defensive team that can challenge for the title, particularly if they're two stars, you know, age and mature into being one level better than they are now, which is completely reasonable. That's what aging and maturing into your prime is. Um, that could be, you know, that could do really great things. And I absolutely hope they do. And it's not off, you know, not out of the question um, that they achieve that. And that is very positive. So for all that I'm like, oh, I don't like that they, the way that they gave up, you know, paid a $1.20 for a dollar and things like that. It all doesn't matter if all the pieces fall into place the way that they obviously think that they can and that this team just like continues to roll over people and every night we get to watch a team that's winning by 25 points. Like wonderful and great. keep doing that and that's not not out of the question. So that is very positive. Yeah. And that's I, ultimately what matters, right? Like
1: <laughs> I mean, this is what this is what they're going towards. and we'll see again. Well it, there's a lot of questions and we are gonna see, how that shakes out. But in terms of building a rotation, that makes sense and makes life easier for EMA and we'll have time to grow together. Like that's, that's going to be the, eh, the question that gets answered the next few weeks, few months, and even potentially a couple years. All right. One minute. Let's wrap real quick. 30 seconds each on each of these questions. One, does anything they do today, take them out of the, the bill chase in the off season? Or are, are, are you, more or less enticed by the chase for this offseason period based on how this year's gone.
0: Uh, In the abstract, I would say that it hurts them a little bit in that, but the Wizards are so strange that, like, Derek White might be a very attractive player for them. So I will say that it's basically neutral.
1: I agree. I think that they have a bunch of movable contracts that a weird team like Washington might have interest in regardless with some picks. Number two, who's coming out of the East? This so, is after this. Yeah. <laughs> the
0: Bucks. I mean, the Bucks. I, I don't, I can't, I will not say the 76ers. All right, then, then, Yeah. Don't. I mean, yeah, well, I think who Bucks won that still. trade? Who won that trade? Both teams. I mean, both teams win that trade, right? There's a trade that both teams have to make in the end, which is why it was all, you know, fun and games until it becomes real. Um, I think the Bucks are the best team because we know that the Bucks make sense together and we don't know that the 76ers make sense together. But I think that there are five teams that could legitimate? I think there's four teams that could come out of the East. I think the Celtics are have a better chance of coming out of these than the Heat do, even with how well the Heat have played. Um, Spicy. So yeah, um,
1: I like it. That's it's going to be. I don't know. I mean, I, I'll, I'll I'll wrap here by saying at least the Celtics didn't trade Jalen Brown for for James Harden. That's um. They can hang their head on oh, that. God, <laughs> <laughs> as as Brooklyn, um. Well, but the they would have traded for Ben Simmons. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, sure, they could have gotten Ben Simmons and Seth Curry and some some other pieces today. So who knows? But it'll, it'll be a fun ride. The final thirty games. Uh, make sure you're following Ryan at DangerCart on Twitter, uh, who will be making sure everyone knows um, how much mistake that the, the draft swap was. And people people give you crap about it now, Ryan, but. You have the receipts for past trades. So um just time will tell the tale on this one.
0: No one ever likes people who say that things are bad about their team. So <laughs> sometimes they are. I hope they aren't. I hope it doesn't matter, right? Obviously, I hope they win the title in 2028. And nobody wants to swap the 30th pick. So let's go for that. All
1: right. So make sure you're following them on there. Follow us on winning place pod, rate review, subscribe. Uh we'll be having more reaction to the debut of Derek White and uh, the return of Daniel Tice and much more and whoever else is on this roster after the weekend hits. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. And look forward to a fun final second half of the season here.